Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like a good bargain? How many of you? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, between Marketplace, Facebook Marketplace, you know, eBay, OfferUp, all of these apps, Poshmark, I mean, there's always some good bargain that you can get out there. And not even to talk about you know, all the, uh, the thrift stores that you can go to and have some, find some cool things. But you know what? There's some things that you just don't want to buy used. You know what I'm talking about? You just don't want to buy some stuff used. So, hey, do me a favor. And maybe to the person next to you or behind you, if there's no one next to you, ask him, what is the one thing that you would not buy used? Come on. You already know. (laughs) What would you not buy used? All right. I'm going to start on this side. What would you not buy used? Come on. Underwear. That makes... Toothbrush. Yes, I agree. All right. What about you guys? Toothbrush. A toilet. Oh, God. Use toilet. That's a good one. Dear Lord. How about you guys? Pillow. Yeah. Mm. Q-tips. Is that what you said? <laughs> Yellow Q-tips. I've never seen one of those. Man alive. Okay. How about you guys? What, what would you not buy used? Yeah. Un- What's that? Towels. Towels. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Probably anything hygiene related, you probably would not want to buy used, right? But, you know, uh, there's something about getting a good bargain. I love a good bargain, but frankly, I probably would not buy a used mattress, especially under hard conditions. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like the ones that have (laughs) end spots that you just don't want to deal with. Now, if we had to choose between the new and the used, I think all of us would say, give me something new. And I think that maybe part of that is also because we're made in the image of God. And God delights and he loves in making things new. He likes newness. Now, of course, we buy things used. You know, you buy, you know, a... A, a used car. I think we probably all maybe at some point already bought one. If not, you probably buy one. You'd buy a house. That they're used. You know, somebody else lived in it unless you buy a brand new home. You know, you buy a brand new guitar. Or you buy whatever that is feasible in terms of usability. But God delights in making things new. And uh, when God created the world, God made all things new. He created the heavens and the earth. He created human beings. He created 
us in his image and likeness. But you know, sin came into the world. And because of sin, man rebelled against God. And that creation, that beautiful new creation that God had made became marred and scarred. And so it was kind of like something that is used. But in the midst of brokenness and in the midst of sin, God's intention was always to bring newness, to bring back the new. So why is that, you might say? Why is God so interested in you? Because God is committed to making all things new, to making us new. God created a new people, Israel. He gave them a new land. And he gave them a new law, something new and fresh. But you know what? Unfortunately, the problem of sin persisted. And so as you read throughout the Old Testament, you see oftentimes that the repentance, forgiveness, or I should say sin, repentance, and forgiveness cycle is repeated over and over and over again. And yet, even at that point, God wanted to make a new covenant with us. And so in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Isn't that powerful? Today in prayer, it will share that God is committed to working in our hearts, not just our minds. God goes deeper than just this level. He wants to go 18 inches down into the heart. But how does that happen? It all happens in and through Jesus. In our series that we've been talking about, Bronze Shields Won't Do, the main idea is taken from a verse in first, or a series of verses in 1 Kings chapter 14. And I want to read them for you uh, again today. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 25 to 28, the concept was that uh, there was the gold shields had been stolen, taken away. And so the king, at the time, King Rehoboam, made a choice, made a decision. Let me read the verses. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem. And he carried off the treasures of the temple and of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything. That's just like the enemy. He will steal and he will take everything from us including the gold shields that Solomon had made. And so King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the, guard, of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards bore the shields, and afterwards they returned them to the guard room. At the turn of the century, at the 20th century, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was asked what he thought would be the greatest dangers that were facing us as a society and as believers in the next century. He made this statement. I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, 
Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. That's a prophetic word right there. Would you say that we are living in such an age today? I think so. And I know that we probably all think our mind goes directly to politics and what's going on. And who would disagree with you? But it, there's just such incredible things that are taking place where God truly desires for us to do the very thing that he prophesied against if William Booth was right, and I believe that he was, we need to reclaim the gold shield of regeneration. Regeneration. We must consider that God, through Jesus himself, desires to transform our lives. He doesn't just want to come and, and play pat a cake with us, and, and, and we just come to church on Sunday morning, and, and we say the sinner's prayer. I was talking to, to Dale about that today. Is that, you know, you say the, the sinner's prayer, and you're... Good and done, and that's it. There has to be a regeneration, and regeneration takes place when there's true discipleship with Jesus. We must consider that God, through Jesus, desires to transform our lives and so that we become more and more like him. That's his heart. That's his goal, and that's his desire. And that ought to be our heart and our goal and our desire. To the miracle of regeneration we can be made new again. Isn't that good news? We can be made new again. And so the shield that I want to talk about, shield number four, is the new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it's a verse of Scripture that we probably know quite well. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Uh, we probably know it kind of like in that translation, but I love the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone, that means that this gospel of Jesus is open to everyone. That means that you can never be so far gone. You can never be too bad or too evil that the gospel cannot reach your heart. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. If you belong to Christ, you are a new person. If you have accepted Jesus in your heart, you are a new person. These wonderful people that stepped into the waters of baptism today, that made this public declaration to say, I love Jesus. You know what? They are new people, brand new, made new by the love of Christ for them and the love of Christ that he has for us. The old life is gone. Man, we have got to stop getting back into our past. we got to stop thinking of how bad things were. And, and you know what? I just, I don't know if God will ever accept me. I have good news for you. You will never be good enough for God to accept you. Never. Never. 
I'm going to use the illustration that Jim used yesterday. We had a funeral here at the church. You know, you can scan your card, but if you haven't really accepted Christ, there's no access. But when you have accepted Christ, you know what I'm talking about, scan cards when you go to work and you scan your card, the door opens up, or at least it unlocks so that you can go through places where you should not go on your own. That is the old life, man. Just leave it behind you. Get that scan card and go through and walk through the new life that has begun when you give your heart to Jesus. That is good news. What an incredible verse that is. You see, Paul says, therefore, or this means, and that's there. And in order to understand what that actually means, you have to back it up. One verse. So let's read verse 16. We can put that up. Do we have that up? I don't know if I gave that to you or not. We have it? We don't. Maybe we don't. Do we have it? We don't. Okay, I'll read it for you. Listen to this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one point, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. So... In light of that, Paul is saying, okay, look at this. You have stepped away from looking at people from a human perspective. You're not looking at them through the lens of your humanity. You're now looking at them through the lens of Christ. And so if anyone is in Christ, therefore, that means that if you belong to Christ, you are new. So it's important to understand that as a new creation in Christ, we no longer look at each other in the flesh. We don't longer, no longer look at each other in a natural way. We belong to Christ. We are made new, and our view of things change. And so let me give you three things that I believe change when Christ comes in us and our view of things around us change. Number one, I believe that our we get a new view of Jesus. Our view of Jesus changes. It changes. Now, we graduate from our view of Jesus that is just a babe in a manger to the king that's sitting on the throne. We no longer see God as the old man up in heaven ready to punish us when we sin. We see God as a loving, caring father who just absolutely is madly in love with us and we are madly in love with him. That's our father. That's our God. We love Jesus because we simply have found that, you know, he is awesome. Just as simple as that. God is awesome. And he deserves to be worshipped. And he, deserved to, he deserves to be praised. I mean, look at what happened here this morning. Robert, I agree with you. This morning, it was just, it's so hard to peel yourself away from a time when you just feel like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah was there and the disciples just, they said to Jesus, could we just make a, a, you know, a tent here just for the, th you know, the, the three, the four of us, however many there were. Now let's, let's just hang here. You just want to soak into the presence of God because you love him. I love him. And that is just so precious and so important. Isaiah 33 and verse 17 says, 
your eyes will see the king in his beauty. He changes our perspective. We see him in his beauty. Wow. We have to be, friends, we have to fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. I want to be in love with Jesus, not because Sunday morning is the right thing to do and I need to come to church. I want to be in love with Jesus because he is my love. Because he is precious. Because my heart longs and needs to spend time with him. Friends, I want to assure you that if you have not yet experienced the love of God in your life, there is nothing more powerful, nothing more precious, and nothing better than to get to know Jesus with everything that is in us. The second thing that changes is we have a new view of believers. We have a new view of each other. Now, I believe that at times we mistakenly look at each other based on our level of education perhaps or race or financial status or position in society. But you know what? Paul the Apostle saw that completely different. Here's what he says in Galatians 3 and 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. All are one in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you that if you are part of this family, the body of Christ here at MCC is richer because of you. We are stronger because of you. And we want you to be just the way you are. We're not looking for a perfected version of you. We're not looking for a David version of you or somebody else's version of you. You need to be the version of you that God has ordained for your life. I like you the way you are. I want you to be the way you are. You know why? Because you bring something that I don't have. And I need that. Not only do I need it, but this body of believers needs you just the way you are. We honor and respect each other's differences. We embrace our uniqueness. And together in unity, we advance to bring the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. We advance his cause. I believe that, and I truly believe that, that if the church, and I'm saying capital C church, not necessarily our church, I believe that anyone in the city will get to know our church. They will probably, like somebody said, will beat down the doors and say, I'm coming there on Sunday morning because you guys are unbelievable. You are unbelievable. You are this church. It's not me or Sam or Jim or any of our leaders. You are. I believe that, as I was saying, if the big church, big C church, were to practice 
this very aspect in every facet of our world in which we live in, I believe that racial injustice will probably cease. I believe that racial walls will come down. I believe that confusion and misunderstanding and disappointment would stop because we would reflect the image of God in this world. Friends, the church must stand up. We have got to stand up. We have got to take our place. We have got to speak the truth of what it is to belong to Jesus Christ, that there is no difference, that skin color makes no difference. Political views are absolutely secondary. And nothing else matters other than your heart before God and my heart before God. And I don't care where you've come from. And I don't care where you've been. And I don't know where, what your lifestyle is like. But I want you to know that in this place, you are loved. And you are accepted. And we leave the rest to God. If something has to change in your heart, we let God change it. We're not going to step in His way. Are you with me this morning? We need to let God be God. And for us... Loving one another just the way we are. Our view of people changes. When we come into this new view with, of other believers in the body of Christ, we stop striving. We stop competing with one another, whether it's individually with one another or even this churches. Like sometimes we, well, our church is better than that church. That's not what I was saying before. I think that our church is the best one because of you, because I've gotten to know you. You are the most incredible people. And I'll say it again, that I believe that people will be knocking down the walls of our church saying, I want to be part of this church because of your love, because of who you are, because of Christ in you. When we are one family, we regard each other through the lens of God's love and affection and not through anything else. Let me give you one final point in conclusion. We have a new view of all the people around us. And that means that we see people through the lens of Christ's love and compassion. We extend mercy to others. We see people around us as sinners in need of Jesus. But not because we are superior, because we have achieved perfection. Because we're all sinners in need of Jesus. Do you agree this morning? But our view of people prompts us to become ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our desire is to let them know that they too can come into knowledge, into the knowledge of Jesus. They can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. That scripture in 2 Corinthians continues. And I want to read verses 18 to 20 for you as we close. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. If Christ doesn't count people's sins against us, why should we count people's sins against them? If we are truly Christ-like, we wouldn't. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore, oh, I love this word, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Friends, we represent the kingdom of God. And as ambassadors, we represent not this earthly government, but a heavenly government. I want you to, at some point in your day today, stop and think based on what you know of God's word. We often say the words, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors of another kingdom. If you truly see what kingdom Jesus came to bring on earth, we will probably not be saying it as flippantly sometimes as we do. It is an awesome and incredible responsibility. That means that you and I, we represent God on this earth. We represent God to people that don't know Jesus. We represent God to people that know Jesus and are struggling. We represent God in every facet, in our neighborhood with our neighbors. Believers or not, we are representing Christ. We represent Christ on our jobs, integrity, honesty. We represent Christ. We represent Christ in every area and every domain of our world. Friends, it's a tremendous responsibility, really is. Because when you tell someone that you are a follower of Christ and they are not, let me assure you, their eyes are going to be glued on you. Let me see the first time that they mess it up so I can just tell them, you ain't no better than I am. Have you ever, had, have you ever heard that before? Oh, yeah, many times. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that we're imperfect. And we should never give an image of perfection, but nevertheless, we are ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus. And so we need to represent him as well as we can. In Romans 1 and 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation, newness, the good news. To everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, we have been grafted in. What a blessing it is that we have been brought into the knowledge of Jesus. But you know what? Let's not be ashamed. Last Sunday, Joe shared with us about fear of, that petrifies us, that holds us down from sharing the gospel. Let's not allow that fear because you know what? We have the power of God through the words that we share when we tell others about Jesus. I've told you before and I'll say it again. I believe this with all my heart that the greatest, one of the greatest terrible travesties that happens in churches all over our country is empty seats. Every seat should be filled with somebody that we have spoken to and we have shared the gospel with. And imagine if, like we did last week, we thought of that person, that individual, and we pray for that person. Imagine if everyone that was here last week 
What about a friend that they were, pray, they were praying for and speaking to? We have to say, can we add some chair, Hank? Can you just get your team to just like pull out every chair from back there? Because Jesus is so interested in saving this humanity and making everyone a new creation. And so I have two appeals to us. If you have not made that commitment to Jesus in your life today, if you have never come to terms with God, you've never taken that step to say, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I need you in my life. Today can be your day to do that. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And I tell you the same. Today, if God is speaking to you, if you need to recommit your life to Jesus, if you need to make some changes in your life, don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today. Do it today. Take an example from what James did. When God spoke to him and said, go get baptized, he did. He stepped out. He did. You do the same if you have never done that. And for those of us that have received him, Perhaps we need to have a baptism of new commitment and desire in sharing the gospel of Jesus, in being ambassadors wherever we go, wherever God sends us. And sometimes it'll be difficult, and some people will not understand. When I first got saved, I was just so on fire for God. I remember one Saturday going to church, and, 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 and we would, every Saturday afternoon, we'd just get together at church, uh, mostly all of the young adults primarily. We'd just get together, we'd pray, and then we hit the streets, man. And I, I was just so on fire for God, and I, I went to this man who was coming out of a Catholic church. I grew up in Italy, so Catholic churches are like Baptist churches in the South, just to give you an idea, maybe even more. And, um, and so I'm like walking up to him. I see him coming out of the church. And I'm like, sir, can I just share with you? He just looks at me like, who are you? He says, Jesus loves you. And I love you too. You know what he did? He wound up and boom, smacked me right across the face. He said, don't you dare say that stuff to me. I'm like, didn't you just come out of church? <laughs> It doesn't matter, friends. Now, of course, I hope that no one slaps you around if you share the gospel of Jesus. But you know what? Let's be the church that Christ calls us to be. In love with him. Let's have a new view of Jesus. Let's fall in love with him all over again. But let's also have a new view of our brothers and sisters. None of us are better than the other. But together, we make the body of Christ that goes forth. And then the final thing is to be ambassadors and seeing everyone in need of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.